It's time for episode 290 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast. That's it. That's the whole thing. I am one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing okay, but I feel strangely incomplete. (laughs) Strangely unfulfilled. I want to know more about this tech podcast. Tell me more. Well, I will tell you more. Uh, We have two awesome guests who have brought some awesome topics with them. Uh, To my left is podcaster, frequent podcaster at the incomparable editor at IT Pro Today. It is... Oh, oh, oh. And writer at So What Who Cares. I forgot about that awesome newsletter. It's Lisa Schmeiser. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for having me back on. I love being on this podcast. And we love having you. And to my left, it is filmmaker and co-host of the Defocused podcast over at The Incomparable, Mr. Dan Sturm. Welcome back, Dan. Thanks for having me back. Our pleasure. All right. And it is my pleasure to get the show rolling. We have 30 minutes to go. And so my question for you is... There are, uh, quote, exquisite 3D laser maps of Notre Dame, uh, which just uh, suffered a pretty horrifying fire. Um, but the fact that there are these laser maps out there uh, that have pretty much scanned every single tiny minuscule portion of Notre Dame is awesome. I'm curious, what's something you've read, seen, or discovered about tech being used in ways that benefit society? Lisa, we'll start with you. I would like to call attention to a little startup called Biocarbon Engineering. They are using drones to help reforest Myanmar, um, hoping to cover an area as large as Rhode Island, approximately 350,000 hectares of coastal forest, which needs replant- replanting with mangroves. Two drone operators working with 10 droves can plant up to 400,000 trees per day, and they've just finished their first successful pilot. So this mix up, this, this team up of humans and technology could be used for environmental remediation in places where it might not be feasible for people to go, but tiny, nimble, task focused drones can. And to use technology to reduce human impact on the land and to remediate human impact, I think that's really great. In another life, I, I might have pursued a different profession. My minor when I was in college was in Near Eastern studies, and I was always really fascinated with the history of that region. And uh, a few years back, I got a chance to go at, to the uh, an exhibit at the Science Museum here in Boston with the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, which were amazing. And it was just so cool to see something like that in person. But of course, what's tricky about these, there are all these like tiny little fragments. And a lot of them, if you sort of look at them just with the naked eye, you can't really read anything on them. But using this technology that is basically like, uh, you know, high, high, high quality imaging uh, equipment, they can scan these sea scrolls and they can actually make out letters on them. And those letters let you easily, like more easily sort of figure out what is, what text is this a part of? So we went from having these, like, I love it because it's this combination of total 
old school technology. These things survived like essentially sealed in clay jars because of the environment they were in uh, for thousands of years. And now we can use this technology thousands of years later to actually decipher these things without destroying them or otherwise damaging them. And I think that that is totally astounding, that combination of old school, like just ancient technology and totally modern technology to bring to light uh, real context and information about these societies that lived so long ago. So I think that's super cool. There's uh, there's these really annoying um, Microsoft AI commercials going around these yes. days uh, yeah. about all of the scanning, all of the ancient cities. And I personally find that stuff just utterly fascinating. One, because, you know, historical preservation is very important, but also I love the idea of combining photos and, uh, you know, laser scanning data to recreate these cities. So you could actually visit them online or, uh, uh, God help us VR. But um, I, I, I love the idea of preserving um, historical sites this way. I even bought this really terrible Mac app that's uh, basically ancient Rome where you can sort of transition from like current photos to like historical recreations of what it looked like. And it's, it's just as like really bad uh, video game engine, but you can sort of like travel around the uh, the ancient layout and look around. And I, I find that stuff just utterly fascinating. I think that's called Assassin's Creed, right? I think that's what that <laughs> it's called Rome Reborn. And uh, does Michael it's, it's... Fassbender tour year round Rome? Is that what I? That's what I want. To oh, please. yes, exactly. Yes. If, you, if you don't spin around fast enough, he jumps off a building and kills you. I think. <laughs> Been there. Um, wow, those are all very exciting things. Um, I I also have been kind of inspired by uh, drones lately because I think it's super cool. Uh, what different things they're being used for. Uh, one place that they're being used is to detect potholes, uh, cracks, and other road damage. You know, something as simple as making folks' days safer and better is nice. Um, drones are also being used as first responders in many cases. They were actually used to help firefight with uh, the Notre Dame fire. Uh, and then also a 1744 shipwreck. Um, there are researchers who have been using drones to sort of scout those locations and find, uh, the shipwreck, like the wreckage. So drones are able to go places that humans aren't able to go and are also in many cases able to go places in uh, less expensive ways because of uh, safety concerns and things like that. So all very cool stuff. Thank you so much for inspiring us with tech this morning. And let's go to our next topic, which comes from Lisa. The Samsung Galaxy Fold is launching in less than two weeks at this point. It's a, it's a mobile phone. It folds down. It folds out. So you have a bigger screen for doing whatever it is you want to do on your mobile phone. And what I'd like to ask all of you is, do you want a foldable phone? Can you see the merits of a foldable smartphone? And um, what kind of form factors would you actually want in a mobile? Like, what are you hoping your phone turns into? Like a phone that wraps around your wrist? Um, let's start with you, Dan. Uh, so, yes, I, I do actually want a foldable phone. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm looking for something new and shiny in the smartphone market, uh, and it kind of appeals to me. Um, I'm not sure if any of the ones that are out there right now are exactly what appeals to me. And you know what I kind of want is... Uh, I don't know if anybody besides me watched the really trashy sci-fi series back in the 90s, Earth Final Conflict. Uh, but they had these crazy communicators that were like, like fold, essentially like 
think about it almost like a scroll like you held this thing in your hand and you pulled it out and it had like a screen on it that was like a rollable screen i would love something like that like i think i i don't know would that be useful no idea but it looks super cool and it was definitely the best part about that show um as far as the stuff that's on offer right now you know with the foldable screens inside and outside i don't know it's kind of fascinating i I like the idea of it having you know, sort of a book, but I worry about the crease in it. And then there's the other one. Is it Lenovo has the other one that like full has the screen on the outside wrapping around. I am utterly fascinated by it, but I think that it's, it's a great way to eventually, as this tech gets better and better and smaller and smaller, deal with the problem of people don't want to carry around huge honking phones in their pocket uh, or have phones that are so big that they can't easily manipulate them with one hand, and yet they also want the biggest screen size available. So this might not be the final product of what something like that looks like, but I think it's a stepping stone along that path. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Um, I was always uh, a small phone fan until the uh, the iPhone XS Max came out, and I finally got a big phone, and I said, why would I ever buy a small phone ever again? Uh, and then I tried to put it in my pocket, and it doesn't fit in my pocket, and it hurts a lot. So uh, I would love to just be able to like fold my phone in half and have it fit better, uh, which leads me to believe that some uh, foldable tech that allows me to have a large screen and I can actually carry it around and use it in one hand would be a fantastic idea. I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's I don't know that necessarily the the larger than my current phone size device is what I really want to carry around. It would just be nice if uh, if my current phone could fold in half. I mean, but that's me not looking out into the future. That's just me right now not wanting to drop my phone on the ground, which I've done once or twice because it doesn't fit in my pocket properly. I So I see the merits of the foldable phone for sure, and I understand why it's being made, why people are excited about it. Um, also, just kind of like the geeky fun of it is is something that we can't cast aside or, or ignore, I, I feel. Um, for me, I think, though, I am ready for the next thing, and I feel like this is sort of a in-the-meantime kind of solution before we get to... Uh, augmented reality and uh, true, good, uh, awesome <laughs> augmented reality where I can have any size device because it doesn't matter sort of what the, the portal into my digital experience is. It could be as big as a wall. It could be as small as the palm of my hand or anywhere in between. So when I think about what is the form factor that's the most convenient for me? It is a pair of glasses or some some sort of other thing that gives me access to this digital, uh, I hate to use the word world because it's not really a world, but a digital view into that, you know, iOS or whatever operating system it is that I happen to use. Uh, Lisa, any last thoughts on that? You know, I'm with you. I feel like mobile phones are at this point kind of like Palm Pilots, where they're an intermediary tech step towards the next computing model. And I think, um, so one of the things I loved about the movie Black Panther were the risk communicators. <laughs> well, cause it's, it's elegant. You know, it's, there are these beads, you just kind of move them around and then the device changes functions. And it reminded me that we're moving into the age of ambient computing where the idea is that you are basically your data set, your data collection. And in order to access your data to do your job or to go shopping or to spend or to, to buy groceries or to communicate with somebody, you have to find an access point to act, um, to, you know, put your data together with the function that you want to perform with your data. And, um, 
I think something like a phone that wraps around your wrist where you have a screen that's big enough to tap out a message or take a photo would be great. Um, again, a Black Panther wrist communicator is what I really want. <laughs> but this iteration where, um, like, I see what they're trying to do, which is we would like to make a phone that you are not at risk of dropping in your toilet because it no longer fits in your back pocket. Again, I feel like this this idea that you're essentially carrying around something the size of a small paperback book at this point, it's kind of a... um it's kind of like the baby it's it's kind of like the step before whatever the next big intuitive leap into how you interact with your information in either a social way or a reference way or a communications way like the foldable phone feels like a compromise like somebody who's not ready to let go of the whole oh it's a phone model as opposed to moving into the next phase which is we basically swim in a giant cloud of data some of it is attached to us and all we have to do is figure out how to access it when we need it uh folks we have reached halftime which means that I get to tell you about our pals at Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Text Expander lets you quickly insert longer chunks of text with a quick search or abbreviation. And the brand new Text Expander 6.5 is now available for macOS. And Text Expander 2.0 is available now on Windows. If that's your uh, Iowa, or if that's your operating system of choice. Uh, both new versions of Text Expander are sporting a new visual editor for snippets, and the new editor makes it easier to see and edit fill-ins, dates, and date math, which date math is not fun to do on your own, so let those that, that application do it for you. There are nested snippets and so much more. If you already love Text Expander and like to tell people about it, you can join the company's affiliate program to earn a little extra. And if, like me, you're always looking for ways to be a little more productive, you are going to need Text Expander. It'll handle all your repetitive typing tasks, leaving more time for what you do best. I love Text Expander. I love building new little snippets and, and putting things together. And with that new visual editor, things, like I said, are, are quite a bit easier to sort of figure out what exactly you're building and where you are, especially when you're nesting snippets. So if you visit textexpander.com slash podcast, that's how you can learn more about Text Expander. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Thanks so much to Text Expander and Smile for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Dan Morin, what have you got for us? All right, so rumors this week about new features coming in iOS 13 and a host of improvements to long-standing problems, both big and small. My question for you is, what is something that you really want fixed in the next version of Apple's mobile OS? Mr. Serm? <laughs> I mean... Where do you start, right? Like the, the list is almost endless. Um, personally, one of the ones that uh, I really want fixed is smart playlists because I use them all the time. I, I'm given to understand uh, the younger folks don't really mess with playlists on their own anymore. But uh, I still love doing star ratings and all sorts of like combined smart playlists that look into other smart playlists and listening on my computer. And uh, I would like the ability to make those on my phone because I feel like that should be pretty straightforward nowadays, but it is not. So please give me smart playlists on my iOS devices. I just want uh, more control of me. I think I've talked about this before. It's just I want to be able to control different iOS and macOS devices from my phone. 
Um, so an example of that is in shortcuts, I would love to be able to make a good morning shortcut to where I can say, Hey, you know who? Uh, good morning. And then not only do my lights come on because it's got a home scene built into it, but, uh, Beyonce's new homecoming album can start playing on my home pod instead of just playing there on my iPhone. But now that um, Apple TV exists in the home app and there are televisions that offer AirPlay 2, maybe I could get it to start playing an episode of The Office in the morning, uh, which would be nice. So any sort of ability to not just control my main device, but control devices that are already connected with iCloud would be nice. And another example of that, too, that I just uh, was thinking about is it's kind of annoying. I have this uh, It's Showtime shortcut where it puts my my iOS device on Do Not Disturb and then turns on the lights that I have in my, my office, but it doesn't enable Do Not Disturb on all of my devices. It can only do it on the device that's running the shortcut. And it would be really nice, again, if I had an option to sort of control all of the devices that I have or just some of them or somewhere in between. So let me see and do things on more devices using my iCloud login and sort of the the connectivity that's already exists between devices in iOS, macOS, etc. Lisa, what would you like to see? So Micah, first of all, I really love, I read a lot of those, how I get things done features from people who are much more successful than I'll ever be. And they always are like, well, I do some yoga in the morning and then some deep breathing and green juice. And I love that you want to use technology to enable a morning routine that includes Beyonce and television watching. <laughs> like, I feel like that's a productivity avenue we haven't adequately explored yet. And I hope it works. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> what I would like is improved CarPlay functionality. Um, because <laughs> at this point, um, you know, who is kind of an idiot. And <laughs> when you're driving in the car, the goal should be to be able to shout out queries um, on an as needed basis and have them respond. I got to test drive a piece of technology that Google just came out with today in conjunction with anchor where you can, um, use Google Assistant in the car. And as we drove around, as we, as, as my husband and I drove around testing it yesterday, I peppered it with queries like, can you find the nearest public bathroom? And how many miles is it to in and out? And what's traffic like on the San Francisco Bay Bridge? And what's the fastest way to get home? And where's the nearest elementary school? What time does it get out? And Google Assistant was able to get to all of that. And when, on the other hand, when I went cross country this past fall um, with my mother, who is a tech user, but not, um, like she's a casual tech user, not a hardcore one. With my mom in Siri, if I asked Siri in the middle of Kansas, Hey, where's the nearest rest stop? Siri was like, I'm sorry, where's the nearest sorghum? And <laughs> I would really just like improved integration into any car system so that I can legitimately use this device that I, pay, you know, that I pay lots of money to stay connected to, you know, ambient data to. Uh, you know, what prompted me seeing this was the the report uh, from uh, over at Nine to Five Mac talking about some of these features, and of course the the big one for me is improvements to mail. Mail is something I still find myself using every day. I don't know why in you know 2019 we're we're still using email for so many things, but yet here we are. Uh, so improving the interface and the workflow on that is a is a big thing for me, and I'm I'm 
uh, heartened that that seems to be something that they're looking into. Uh, I'm hoping that that includes things like I really want uh, it on the Mac. I can use all these different colors of flags because I flag a bunch of stuff in my inbox to prioritize things or to like assign them to certain lists of like to do's uh, on iOS. There's only one color of flag and it just feels so lonely, lonely, red, orange flag, whatever it is. Uh, so I'd like to see that's a little improvement I, I would like to get from that. Uh, and then one of the other things I'd be looking for is I, I, I wish that I'm hoping shortcuts get some, some love and I want something that lets you trigger shortcuts in ways that are more complex. So, you know, I, I designed a couple of these shortcuts to log sleep time, uh, a few weeks back. Uh, but they, I, I constantly am forgetting now that when I wake up, I need to like tap my little shortcut that I made that says, you know, I'm awake and that uh, you can stop logging my sleep timer and instead have something that lets me trigger based on something else I do. Oh, he's checking Twitter. He's probably awake and not checking Twitter in his sleep, though. I guess that's not out of the question. Um, so yeah, more, more complex shortcut triggers and, and complex shortcut features, I think, would be welcome too. Uh, but all of those are very good improvements. Thank you for that. Let us go to our final topic, which comes from Dan Sturm. All right, my topic is another uh, Apple software rumor. It is codenamed Sidecar, which uh, apparently is Apple planning what they're referring to as a Luna display-like desktop extension feature for the next version of macOS uh, that will basically allow you to extend your operating system onto an iOS device. And uh, my question is, are you excited about this? Have you or do you use any sort of Luna display type uh, extension currently? Uh, how do you use it? And uh, what do you think? I am excited about this. So I love the idea of the Luna display. It was not something that I ever kind of had a, a, a need to try other than just wanting to. Um, I used to do freelance graphic design uh, ages ago and have a Wacom 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 tablet. <laughs> and <laughs> it's I, a woke tablet, Micah. <laughs> It's a new school woke tablet. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, love, I still pull that thing out sometimes whenever I am doing some, uh, silly Photoshop stuff, probably with Dan <laughs> Sturm himself. Um, and so the idea of being able to use the Apple Pencil with an iPad as an external display and do that level of control is a very cool thing because while I don't do enough of that stuff to warrant buying, you know, the Cintiq tablet monitor dealy bob, the idea that this device that I already use a lot, my iPad, uh, day to day and have bought, you know, the expensive Apple Pencil for as well, that is a pretty nifty thing that that has me excited. Um, also, just having another monitor and display is almost always a, a positive thing. Um, I have two. I bought two of the exact same Dell monitor that serve as my external displays for a, a MacBook Pro that I mostly keep running in clamshell mode um, because I'm a little bit picky about the displays looking and being the exact same uh, so that the experience doesn't feel weird. But in terms of having a third display that kind of serves as a, Hey, um, I just want to, maybe it's like it's on my desk or something like that. I'm able to like look down and make some adjustments or it's a way to show someone, Hey, this is what I'm working on right now to like walk out of my office and show something, whatever it happens to be. I think that that idea is super cool. And I'm glad that Apple is working on making it a part of the operating system. Allegedly, Lisa, what are your thoughts? 
So I recently had a chance to spend um, almost a week up in um, a non-Apple company's headquarters learning all about their AI and data mining products. And the way they had us do is had us do this is they had us um, doing hands-on tutorials. So we had a surface, um, a nice big surface with like a keyboard attached and then two monitors that mirrored everything we did. And the experience was amazing because you could just drop and drag things and blow them up and spread them out and pick up your tablet and walk over to somebody and be like, hey, this isn't working. Um, and although I normally work on just a laptop and I pride myself on having a very small um, office footprint, I can see where something like this would be really useful for people who need to see big or think big or go big. And as to um, the question, do I, have I ever used a tablet? Um, dude, I would like to start. I feel like we're moving into a post keyboard paradigm for productivity here. <laughs> and to be able to be able to write things down, to draw things and drag and drop using a combination of a pencil and uh, and like touch feedback instead of having to like use a mouse or a cursor to point and click. Oh my god, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I have never used a Wacom tablet to sort of start from the end. I've I'm not an artist. I can't draw very well. I do have an Apple pencil. It's usually um, out of charge by the time I find it. Uh, so not super useful there. I do kind of dig this idea. I'm super curious. I've never used Luna Display or any of the, uh, the apps that extend your Mac onto your iOS device. I do use like screen sharing a lot and, um, the screens app because I access, like I've got a Mac mini that's connected to my TV and I'm usually just remote logging into that from another Mac or from an iOS device. So on that sense, like having that kind of access is really interesting. Um, I would love to see some, see what Apple has in mind for extending that to the kind of, because the way they describe this is very much like kind of sending apps to your device. Uh, and I'm super curious because we only have like a very little tiny peek at what that might mean. But I, I feel like enabling the power of a Mac uh, on your iOS device is something that could potentially open a lot of doors. Uh, and And seeing as it coincides with this whole push to, create apps that run on both iOS and Mac, I think that we're seeing a lot of little pieces of this big transition coming into play here. So I'm I'm fascinated to see where that goes. Uh, and I, I think it could be really powerful. Uh, Dan, any last thoughts to wrap that up? Uh, I, I agree. I, I think it's uh, a very interesting idea. I use a Wacom tablet primarily when I'm doing professional work. Just it's not really because I, I'm terrible at drawing as well. I use it because it's fast and efficient way to move around a giant interface and get to where I need to go. And my hope is that uh, Apple will figure out sort of the interaction model here, because I feel like we've been really close with a lot of these products in the past to making this a reality, making your iPad sort of extend and become sort of uh, a tablet either by pen or by multi-touch to help control your apps on your, your Mac. Uh, but it, it just never has felt fully fleshed out. So I'm hoping that, you know, the combination of whether it's text input, pen input, multi-touch, uh, moving windows around so they snap uh, properly or they scale properly. I, I feel like Apple is the one who can figure that out because they have control of both systems and you know latency and all that stuff as well. So um, I'm, I'm hoping this is finally the thing that pushes it over the top so I can get rid of my uh, ugly old Wacom tablet and actually replace it with a, a nice big iPad Pro. A nice big iPad Pro. <laughs> uh, so 
We have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise, but I've got a bonus topic for everyone here. I'm curious, what's something you look forward to doing when spring rolls around each year? Lisa, we'll start with you. <laughs> I have to be honest, spring is usually a blur. Um, and I have to invoke weather privilege here. I live in Northern California, so the weather is great all year round. I don't have any of those classic spring things like, at last, I no longer have to wear a thousand layers when I leave the house or um, anything like that. So I think maybe the closest is what I look forward to is uh, baseball games. I look forward to being able to go back to baseball games. Uh, I thought this question was about spring rolls, and I was really <laughs> excited because I love spring rolls. I'll eat them in the spring. I'll eat them in the winter. doesn't matter much to me. Uh, but for spring, actual spring stuff, I would say just stepping outside onto my porch and feeling the sun. <laughs> it's just delightful. I know. I feel like a bear who's hibernated for the winter. Uh, spring is like a week long in Phoenix here. Uh, so it's not really something I look forward to a lot. Basically, uh, when spring rolls around, the only way I know it's spring is that, uh, I have to take a bunch of Claritin because all of the flowers bloom at the same time and I sneeze for like two weeks straight. Uh, I'd like to note that I knew that Dan Morin was going to make a spring rolls joke. Um, I absolutely 100% knew it so much that I thought about rewriting the question and not have spring and rolls right next to each other. Uh, so that as an aside. But secondly, I also was going to say that I look forward to taking allergy medicine every spring. Uh, so both of the Dans and I are running on the same wavelength. Well, uh, I want to thank you all for your answers on that bonus topic. And that means that it's time to thank our awesome guests. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you so much for joining us for Clockwise. Thank you. Bring me my Black Panther wrist communicator. (laughs) (laughs) And Dan Sturm, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for letting me join in again. And Micah, we've got our work cut out for us if we're going to get all these new technological devices to all the people that we clearly serve. But (laughs) until that happens, we will remind all of you listening out there to watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.